online family. Thanks for tuning in to the Grace Church of Ocala podcast. We are equipping disciples who make disciples in Ocala, Florida. I'm Pastor Ryan Gagnon. We're going to be hearing today from Pastor Todd McQueen as he continues our series, Anchored on the Unseen. We've prayed about how best to meet our community with the gospel message of Jesus. We believe this digital component is a way of meeting our community here on the web. We hope God uses it to encourage and challenge you. We also encourage you to serve a local church body. Remember, you can't be the church by yourself. God is about people. He uses them to communicate his gospel message to the nations. In doing so, we see him use illustrations or images in his word that can seem odd or can be hard to understand. Today, we'll be covering some great examples of that. What if I told you in the passage you'll be hearing from today, Paul uses the imagery of clay jars and tents to illustrate the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of Christ's followers. Sounds pretty strange, right? If we are to be Christ's representatives in our communities, like we've been learning over the past few weeks, what on earth do clay jars and tents have to do with that? Listen in and you'll find out. Also, check out how Pastor Todd highlights the short amount of time we have to follow Christ physically. Our lives seem so long to us, but in God time, they are but a blimp of the radar. We will be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 through chapter 5, verse 10. He will introduce the idea, as temporary representatives, we exist to house God's glory. You as the tent or you as the jar in the metaphor have value based on what you're carrying. Don't worry if I'm losing you. It'll make more sense when he explains it here shortly. Let's listen in together. Good morning, church. As we continue our series, uh, we've been talking about being representative and being anchored in the Lord. And we've talked about being a representative since the start of creation, that we were both for people and primarily for the angelic hosts. God is putting on a story using people to declare his love to the angelic hosts. Because they were before we were. Before Genesis 1, there was angels. And we've talked about what it means to be a representative in our community. And last week we talked about what is your job requirements? What is your duty? What is expected of you? And doing so with full disclosure as we go through the week. And this week we're talking about representing Jesus, but it's from a unique play on words that Paul uses in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And we'll go into chapter 5. And as you look on the screen, you see that cup. Where do you see cups like that used? It's definitely not at the reception hall that the bride would have picked out to hold the most expensive champagne that the groom's father paid for or her father paid for. Where do you see these kind of cups used? When you, when you do dishes, when you don't do dishes, yes, this is the cheap stuff. This is disregard stuff. I actually watched because I couldn't do it last uh, Sunday. I told you all I go into my coma time, but there was like this triathlon. The Iron Man was on TV, and I am not an Iron Man. And so as they run through these stations, because they have to run in Hawaiian heat, right? So they grab these cups of water. They aren't crystal. They're cheap plastic. So as you slug down the water and you're running through, what do you do with the cup? Throw it away. 
We have talked about being a representative and we've read the verses that where does the Holy Spirit reside once you come to know Jesus? Just a quick theology exam. Huh? Right here. Frank, you'll appreciate this. The House of the Holy is not a Led Zeppelin album. Where it's the House of the Holy? Right here. But what kind of house is it? Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we look at jars of clay. It's on page 800 in your story Bible. Does anybody need a story Bible this morning? Look at this image of jars of clay. Page 800. Verses 7 through 18. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Jars of clay. Followers of Jesus this morning, you are a jar of clay. But you hold a wonderful treasure. It doesn't make sense to the world. Probably this morning somebody here has a locked box at a bank. If you had something, your will, your great-grandma's 14-carat diamond ring that nobody knows about, is probably stored behind a vault door. Where does God keep his greatest treasure? What are you? A jar of clay that holds an amazing treasure. You have been entrusted to house this treasure. What is the treasure then? It is what we've been studying in Corinthians. It's a life transformed because the Holy Spirit resides in you, fellow jar, that you're transforming more and more bit by bit into the image of Jesus because of the work of Jesus. It is bigger just than to say, I am saved. Jar of clay... You house the holy, and the holy has effect on you. It is doing something in your life, is it? Then verses 8 and 9, the world sees us as expendable and cheap. We are that cup the runners pick up. You are just a jar of clay. But we're resilient jars of clay, entrusted to house the divine. 
because God gives us indescribable value because of the treasure that we hold. Now, I love what Paul says here. Look, in verses 8 and 9, I'm physically afflicted, I'm scarred, I'm cracked, and I have bits missing. But I'm not crushed and left without a purpose. As you walk in this morning, does life been tough and rough? Does your jar, your life, have some nicks in it? And look, he says, even mentally and emotionally perplexed, confused or bewildered. How many of you this week looked at being a treasure holder of God and you were like, God, what are you doing? I love this text. It is so honest. Paul, the apostle, is writing these things. Even when we're mentally and emotionally perplexed of what in the world, God, are you doing? But we're not driven to despair. Persecuted in every way, but not abandoned by our Creator. We are struck or hunted down, or the word there really literally means to be wrestled to the ground with strong force. But not knocked out. You're knocked down, but not knocked out. Jar of clay, fellow jars. We go through life, and this is so honest. We've been struck down. We've been mentally and physically hit this last week. Or maybe you're a jar that didn't have that bad a week. But we come together as fellow jars. And so when we say, how was your week? Could you honestly respond like the Apostle Paul? I was, I was knocked down, but I wasn't knocked out. I was mentally perplexed of like, well, God, what in the world you're doing? But I wasn't driven to despair. How can you exist in a world like this where you're regarded as a disposable item? The more we go into the United States, the more life becomes less value. So yeah, you are a jar of clay. In some ways, a temporary thing that houses the holy. But why do you not have despair? Why are you not knocked out? Because of the treasure that's in you. It's not because you're a quality jar of clay. Does that make sense? In verse 10, jars have cracks, flaws, and imperfections. We like to cover these up. We buy things and we put makeup on our body and on ourselves and we try to appear in life that we got our stuff put together. You can't see this crack, can't see that, but God does. Why does it necessary for the world to see your cracks, jars? That's where God works. That's where God's redemptive work in your life, bit by bit, piece by piece, those shines of light that are coming through, those flaws, those imperfections are showing where Jesus is working on you. Somehow we think in the Christian life, when we got our act together and the world perceives us as being pretty good, we've done well for Jesus. Can you think this morning that being an imperfect jar of clay is illustrating the master craftsman working in you? We all love Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for it's by grace you're saved, not by works. What's verse 10? You're God's workmanship for good works. The master potter is working with just a bit of clay to house the Holy Spirit, to illustrate his amazing work. 
not how cool the treasure chest is. We have these cracks and flaws and imperfection to give us a life purpose. To say, hey, I'm an imperfect person, but Jesus conquered sin and death and gave me new life, and I want to put that on display, and I want to go public with it. It's in these jars that we get to manifest the Holy Spirit's powerful work in and through our literal bodies, and yet we're imperfect jars. I know if I look out into the room, and I know other people who are physically working out this clay pot, and this, I... Robbie, you know what it's like to land on your hind end when you're mountain bike. That bottom of that jar hurts. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, there is something to be said of taking care of your clay jar. We've read those scriptures. Do you not know that you're housed of the holy? So what God considers holy, take care of that. But it is in these imperfections that God gets to declare his work. So when death is at work in us, but life in you. In verse 12, I hate to tell you, we work on these clay pots, we make them look good, but there's an end of service for them. Jars, recognize someday your job's going to be done. We don't know when. And we don't know for what extent. Your day of service will be over. But the importance of knowing your mortality, of just being a clay of jar that houses the holy, means that you're going to press hard to share the good news of Jesus with other jar holders. Does that make sense? You're, you're done. You're only going to be on the shelf for so much more time. Find another jar to pour into that is yet to hold the holy. Hand the baton off to the kids, to the neighbor, because your time of being a pot, of being a jar of clay, will come to an end. Your legacy of spiritual growth is in who you've poured yourself into. Does that make sense? Do you have a disciple who's a grandchild? You've made a disciple who's in turn made a disciple. Or is it more about you and your jar? Paul is talking, they say, death is at work in us, but so that life can be put in you. He's an older dude. And he's looking to those who are younger in the faith to say, I want to pour my life into you. I need to find some other jars. I know my time is limited. And old jars like to share their stories in 13 through 15. I believe so I spoke. Is that about a simple way to put your faith? Do you believe so you speak? Or is it just you believe so I can get me some Jesus and get my sin taken care of and I'll go home and see you next Sunday? Do you believe so? Therefore, you speak. It is in our sharing of our stories through the imperfections of being round and with other broken and misfit pieces of jars of clay. 
Because our faith comes from God who revealed himself in his word. The faith that speaks, I believe so I spoke. Get this, trials give way to testimony. Think back to the last five years. If you're going to share a Jesus thing in your life where the Holy Spirit has done something amazing in your life, it's usually through the outset of a trial. Miss Sue asked me this morning, how was your week? I'm thinking of this part right here. Who in the world do you want to meet on a Sunday morning and say, hey, how was your week? It was horrible, but praise Jesus. But isn't that where we tell our Jesus stories, our God stories? Life has been really tough in this jar of clay. I was knocked down, but not knocked out. I was knocked down, but I got a piece missing. That hurt. I got some new cracks on the outside. But here's where God's working. Those stories speak. That's where the family comes together and says, hey, how was your week? And you can say, man, I really prayed about Papa. I'm really willing to interact with you without all the makeup and paint on the outside of the jar. So we, I'm good at this too. I put on a facade depending on the end, where you're at. What I'm asking you to do as a family of God, are you willing to strip those things down and say, here's who I honestly am this week. I'm a broken jar, but I'm knocked down, but I'm not knocked out. I'm mentally perplexed, but I'm not get driven to despair. I want to share my story of what happened this week. Because in the end, faith, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise me, Paul says. In the end, he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise you. So in the end, there's a great reunion. The reunion of the clay jars. Service time will conclude. There will be an eviction notice coming up with you being a tent. So where then is death as your sting? Because we got a sweet reunion because I've poured my life into other jars and we will have a reunion of the Misfit Jar Club because of Jesus' raising from the dead. All this for an incredible reunion in Jesus' presence for his glory, not ours. For his glory. Lord Jesus, thank you for working through me as that broken misfit pot. Because you got to tell your story. Sometimes I was mentally perplexed about what in the world was going on. Sometimes I was knocked down. Sometimes there was more than one crack going on. And I'm like, hold this pot together, God. Brings you into his presence. We get to gather as a worship gathering in heaven in front of Jesus. And why? For his story. Faith speaks. But you're also an eternal jar. Look not at the transient. Don't look at today. Because jars, we will crack under pressure today. You're not going to be able to do this. By the way, this is one of my favorite things. I'm trying not to get sidetracked. You ever, people, you ever heard somebody say, God will never give you more than you can handle? That's straight out of the depths of hell. 
God always will give you more than what you can handle because if you could handle everything, you wouldn't need them. Can you fix your salvation? No, I believe that's not true, but hey, I can raise kids all by myself. I got that figured out. No, you don't. Everything about your life is a faith act in following Jesus. God will give, we will have more in our life that is clay pots that we can handle. And we'll start fracturing under that intense pressure of life. How do we sustain it? Because of the treasure that's inside of it. He is telling his story. And by the way, sometimes the clay jars just pow, and we bury them. This isn't a fun sermon. Hey, by all, unless Jesus comes, you're all, going to, you're, you're all going to crack and fall to pieces. And we're going to put you in the ground or burn you up in cremation or something. Not to be like, not sensitive about this, but there's an end of service. So don't look at this life and say, hey, this is permanent. Look at, have the faith to look forward to say, I, as a clay jar, I want you to look at verse 16. Verse 17, excuse me. For this light and momentary affliction, Paul says. Really, Paul? Talk about the understatement of the world. Everything you've been through, everything you've been talking about in this chapter, being knocked down but not knocked out, mentally perplexed but not given to despair, is a light and momentary affliction? How could he say that? Because life is really, really hard at times. How could he say that? Depends on... To what you compare it, this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Clay pot, you're going to crack and you're going to break and you're going to have problems here. But when you get into the presence of Jesus, what is your job? The image Paul says is you're going to have a immeasurable weight of carrying the glory of God. I think what he's saying here is you couldn't handle carrying all of what God is right now. It would blow you up. You can only handle two ounces of some God stuff. You get to heaven, it's 14,000 tons. And all the hard stuff now is preparing you for when you get to heaven, you jar of clay, you will hold the immeasurable weight of the glory of Jesus with him. You still are part of that job today. will continue clear into eternity, fellow jar. Yes, life is tough now. I get that. I have wept this week. I have been wounded this week. I have heard prayer requests. I've heard people call me with what life really is when they take the shroud of pretension off on life and interact with other people who love Jesus. I get that, and I want to be there with you for that, and I want to see other people come together with that. But that is a part of the process that when we get to heaven, our jar of clay will hold the immeasurable weight of giving glory to Jesus. So look beyond what today is. I know that's hard. Look beyond, Jar. 
to housing the eternal weight of glory that's beyond comprehension. So look forward, Jar, beyond what you see today, because what you see today will pass away. Look forward, fellow Jar, to what is unseen. You can't see it, the eternal. What we're getting ready to transition into talking about tents and your body. We talked about our bodies being jars of clay. But here's one thing I know about heaven that won't exist in heaven, and that is faith. Faith will die. Isn't faith incredibly important to what we do right now? Absolutely. So why are you saying it's going to die? I can, I can believe that Frank's the best mountain biker in the whole wide world. And then I show up one day, and he's doing it at 50 miles an hour. I believe that. I don't have faith. I've seen him do it. Fellow Jar, how are we going to work this out? And what's it going to look like in heaven to hold this immeasurable weight? And what does that merely mean, what we're going to be doing? What are we going to look like? I don't know. But I know we won't have to have faith. It will be live and present. Jesus will be there. Faith will be no more. Your faith is temporal because you're looking forward to the unseen. If we put our focus, our telescopes, our binoculars, our vision on what is transient, what will not exist anymore here, it's going to be a rough road to go. Paul says, look forward, eternal. So let's move to chapter 5. Temporary tents. We've gone from clay jars to temporary tents. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that which is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared, prepared, for, he who has prepared us this very thing is God who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Temporary tense. You got an eviction notice coming. Your body is a tent. Miss Deb loves camping. I think Michael, Jesse do. I've heard rumors of such. Tents are cool when it's cool out. And there's food nearby. And there's a shower real close. And there's a power outlet right there. And I have all the comforts of home that Miss Deb brings along. She has converted me into an anti-camper. But it's still a tent. Whatever she puts in that thing to make me feel like I'm at home. She even got me a little battery-operated fan one time. It lasted three and a half hours. But you are just a tent. That houses the holy, but you are a tent. If and when, I like Paul's, what he says here in verse 1. The tent that our body, if, if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed. 
uh, it's going to be. Because it won't exist anymore. You're going to be evicted. You're going to get a new building from God that he made. Now, hit the pause button for a second. Ask me what you're going to look like in heaven. I have no idea. But you're not going to look like what you look like now. That's all I know. What is a tent will eventually be a nice building with a foundation, HVAC, indoor plumbing, refrigerator, anti-tent. Get it? Whatever a tent is, compared to a home, this body is the tent. Whatever's in heaven is a lot better. And there's an eviction notice. Your tent will be replaced. God will gift you with an eternal God-built home or body. This one isn't it. We don't like our tents, or we shouldn't. How many of you have had a doctor's appointment in the last year? Raise of hands. You groan. The health industry is because your tent is wearing out. Somewhere in Grant's and Edmund's life, they're going to figure out, Miss, you work in the health? Yeah, you see bad tents all the time. Bad tents. You work in the ICU? Yeah, you're a professional tent repair person. Somewhere along the line, we all come up to this idea, I don't bounce like I did when I was four. Has anybody ever amazed that Grant and Sadie can fall down and get right back up like nothing happened? But if that happened to me, I'd be off work for three weeks. I've watched Riley run headstrong into a table, get knocked down and be like, okay. Frank, you and I had a tree. We're calling 911. Frank, I know a tree that you call the orthoscopic tree. The doctor worked on you because of that tree. We groan in these tents. These tents wear out. Am I saying don't take care of your tent? Absolutely not. Paul says, do you not know that you are bought for a price? Take care of your body. You house the Holy Spirit. You may be just a jar of clay, but take care of it. Don't not take care of your tent. Clean it. Take care of it. If there's a rip in it, see Rachel or Miss Rodland eventually. Man, we got a bunch of healthcare people in here. We wear out. Do you see you use the word twice for groan? Miss Joanne, your arms and legs, you are a feisty young lady in the mountains of Colorado. I just heard yesterday your stories of growing up on a ranch. To wind the clock back to be able to do that again, or do you, when you get up out of the chair, what is the noise you make? Yep. If there's anybody in this room who I know as a teenager and a young lady and as a young mom that would work the circles around everybody in here, it's her. You know that to be true. You inherited half of it. But we groan. Do you ever think that maybe the tents wearing out is preparing us for, man, I can't wait for my house. God has prepared for you a new home, whatever that looks like, that is anti-tentish. It's a house. And who guarantees it? 
the Holy Spirit. He who resides in you, the part of the Godhead who resides in you, jar of clay, the, the, the Godhead who resides, resides in you, tent. How do you know you got that house coming? Because he who lives in you that makes you holy signed on the line. It's not up to you, Ted. We're going to drop the ball. Cracks and are going to come in our jars. But our new home is guaranteed by the Holy Spirit. If this doesn't give you an... Oh, yes! Because how many times do we drop the ball weekly on this following God business? All you got to do is be married like 15 minutes. Right? Deb, I really love you. That's true. But we've worked through a whole lot of forgiveness and reconciliation on an all-time basis. And the who guarantees that I get to trade in this tent for the house? Is it Deb? Does she the one that guarantees it as the wife? Is it her role to guarantee that? Is me as the husband to say, hey, I'm going to make sure you get your new house? Thank God, no! You're going to be evicted. Uh-oh, that's usually bad news. But here in Scripture, it's good news. Now be courageous, fellow tents. Look at verse 6. Verses 6 through 9. So we're always of good courage. We know that while we're at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. Stop there. Courageous tense. Thank God that this body isn't eternal. That this body, this time, this time in between our birth and death isn't it. It's not the end of the line. We groan, they wear out, they aren't perfect. Be of good courage knowing that when this time in your life isn't the end, this isn't the sum of all things, this isn't the purpose of everything is your dash between your tombstone. Followers of Jesus, fellow jars of clay, fellow tent. This is, there's more. Living in these tents means we're not in our new house yet in the presence of God. Courageous tents, our courage isn't defined by us. Could you imagine a tent on the beach with a 60-knot wind roaring across Cape Hatteras, Mr. Robbie? And you've set the tent up. It's on the beach. It's romantic. You and Rachel are there. And here comes a gale force wind. And you're the tent that says, dun, 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 we got this. No, she'd be like, call the motel. We're going inside. Taking God at his word. That it isn't about us that makes us resilient tents. It's the faith in the God who's working in us, who resides in us as tents. 
And faith is because we can't see the end result. This is all passing away. Courage, because when you're evicted, would you rather be in your new house? Or would you rather have this one? So if someone were to come to you and say, life really is hard. Life has all this body ailments coming. You're being mentally, physically, and spiritually attacked all the time. Oh, wait a second. I want to live to 3,000. No. No. Who wants to be Methuselah? Nobody. I don't. Do 1,000 years of this action? Not so much. Imagine how many teenagers he had to go through. No, no. Eviction is good news. Be courageous with that. Because eventually we will break, fellow pots, fellow tents. We will be ripped. We will have to shed this tent and go to our new home. Courage in the face. Look at Paul when he wrote this. He knew he was going to die eventually. But how then do you have confidence in the face of death or persecution or rough times or cancer or ailments or mental illness? How do you have courage in living in your tent now? For one, I can't wait to be evicted. Two, the Holy Spirit living within me, and he's telling his story. Courage because wherever you are in your tent or in your house, Get this, your purpose doesn't change. Representative, your job description does not change just because you die. Whether you're a tent or a jar of clay, when you get to home, heaven, your aim is to what? Does the scripture say there? To please God, to please him. Okay, I get that. We're going to please God today and tomorrow by going out and making disciples and interacting as a family of faith. Got that. Have you thought about spending eternity pleasing God? It's a great thought. He hasn't changed the game plan. He takes away the need for faith and says, look, pleasing God for now and eternity. That's our aim. Now let's look at quality control. Quality control. 2 Corinthians 5.10. What's the big deal? For we, all, for we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Every tent dweller will be judged. Every jar of clay will be judged. We read the text this morning in Corinthians, other where Paul says, Hey, I laid the foundation of Jesus Christ. And when you build upon that, if you build upon it with precious stone, gold, silver, or do you build on it with hay or straw? 
then Jesus, through Jesus' eyes, is the fire of seeing what your motive was for what you did as a jar or as a tent. And what happens with straw with fire? Gone. Fellow jars of clay, fellow tent makers, tent dwellers, tents, Jesus will judge you. This is so uncomfortable in the text. For generations, we sold the idea of Jesus to people that you can get out of judgment from Jesus if you believe him. No. Right here in the right at the end of talking about jars of clay and tents, he's going to say, what kind of jar were you? What kind of tent were you? Well, I liked being in a tent all by myself and never talked about you, Jesus, and I just stayed over because my faith was private. Hey, look, I didn't tell you to do that. Yeah, but my tent has no scratches on it from evil people. My, my jar looks good. I painted it. Well, didn't you get out in society and get your hands dirty with the sin of the world with other people who are hurting massively? Where was Jesus? Just answer this question. Where did Jesus go with the crowds? Right there with them. You mean to tell me there's accountability for how you are as a jar or how you are as a tent? Absolutely. Now, here's the great news. It's a just reward. Jesus paid for your sins at the cross. Amen? Now, Jesus doesn't necessarily give participation awards like you do in soccer or football nowadays. Every kid gets a gold star or whatever that is. No. Or a crown, whatever. Robbie, you did an incredibly good job. You stuck it through and I saw your heart. Here's your just reward for how you led your family. It's fair. It's for eternity. And he gets to see it. Tommy, how did you do your job for Jesus while you're out surveying land? Jesus can look at you and say, this is a just reward, well done. Or he can look at me and say, you tried to build a new church so you could look good. That's burn away and gone. We can sell our outward appearance to people and manage the motives so we look good. But Jesus says, jar and tent, I will someday, you will stand before me and I will judge you. I didn't like that this verse was here. I'm like, Paul, why'd you drop that at the end? This is tough stuff. It's jars of clay and tents. Who wants to be that? Yeah, I went to church on Sunday and we talked about being a jar of clay. Then he ends it with this. You are incredibly precious because you hold the treasure, whether you're a jar or a tent, right? Therefore, as the piece of Tupperware that people discard, God will say, how well did the lid work? Representatives, you exist to house God's glory for now and for eternity. You can be courageous because he, the Holy Spirit, who take up dwelling in you, 
That's your purpose, to please him. You house, your body literally houses God's glory. How do you view yourself this morning? Quick identity question. I know some people who are so nastily critical about themselves that they call themselves scum and that God would never love me and all this. No, you are a treasure worth dying for, my friend. You are one of his own. He adopted you into his family. He's your kid. And a brother and sister, if your dad adopted them and you would say, hey, my dad's the king of kings, don't you dare talk about yourself that way. On the other hand, I've heard the other extreme talked about. But this morning, can you fathom the idea what Paul's trying to do with either a clay pot or tent? What makes something holy? It's use and user. Ms. Jesse, it's all about Leviticus. You should be excited right now. That's what makes something holy. Represent Jesus this week with courage with two people. Representative, your job as a clay, you're, you are a clay pond, you are a tent. Now go out and represent him. Will you be courageous enough to represent him to two people this week? And if yes, can you put the names on your connection card so I can pray for you? And I will challenge Pastor Ryan and Pastor Michael to pray for you daily for these two names. Thanks again for listening. We hope you've been challenged and encouraged and helped by God in His Word. If you want more information about Grace Church of Ocala or would like to get in contact with us, please visit our home on the web, ocalagrace.org. And if we haven't met yet, we hope to talk with you soon.